0: You know, James is a pretty incredible book, and it's, you know, some, some books, it, it seems that as you read through them, they're pretty hard-hitting, and James is one of those books. He's kind of like a no-nonsense guy. He just says it like it is, kind of like the Old Testament prophet Amos, who is a, a shepherd, a farmer guy, and he's just, have you ever met that type Uh, You know, who just, they work with their hands, and all they do is outside work, it's heavy work, and like, they just say it like it is. Well, James is like that as he's writing, and he's been writing about how to live through trials, how to walk through that with faith and patience, knowing that it's going to have a good work in our lives, a perspective of living rich or poor, living under trials and some qualities that are needed for trials. And he's really approaching this. And remember, one of the the themes of this book is faith without works is dead. And so he's calling people to walk their faith out well. And one of the ways that he does that is by calling the people to be not just hearers of God's word, but also doers. Not just listening to the things that are true, not just appreciating the truth as it comes, but actually going and doing that. And I think that's so instructive for us because I think sometimes we can be admirers of the truth of God, but not doers of the truth. And God's truth has been given to us to walk out, right? This is, even from the beginning, the word that came to Adam and Eve, it was for their good. If they were to walk and do as God had commanded them, to not eat of the tree of the the knowledge of good and evil, but to obey the Lord and follow his commandments, it would have worked out to be good for them, wouldn't it have, right? Now, we know that's not what, what has taken place, but God's word is still true, and God still expects us to obey him and to follow him. And so we should be not only hearers of God's word, but doers as well. Let's read verses 21 down through 27. It says, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves." For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of a man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart this one's religion is useless useless pure and undefiled religion before god and the father is this to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world so it's not that we shouldn't be hearers of the word right we we receive the word we hear it But James says, Lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So our call from James is to put off all that is of the world in our lives, the, the filthiness, the overflow of wickedness, those things that we have been saved out of, right? We, we have been transformed by the Lord. We have been saved out of that former life, and we should no longer have anything to do with it. It reminds me of what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses uh, verse 1. He says, Uh, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling to which you were called. A high calling that we have been called to in the Lord. A call of holiness, to be just like our Father. And that's not something that we can necessarily accomplish on our own. But we look to the Lord for strength to do that. But nevertheless, we have the call to be walking worthy of that call. To be walking worthy of the Lord and walking in holiness laying aside those former things of the world, the former lusts. And he gives a couple of examples um, later and kind of sandwiched between this and really throughout the whole book, he's just calling people to live out their faith. And genuine faith will have certain results. And, And that is one of them that we're looking at today, not just being a hearer but a doer as well. But we are to be those who hear the word of the Lord. And he says, and receive with meekness the implanted Word. The idea is that we receive the Word with humility, recognizing that the Lord is full of authority. He's our master, you know, and in a passage that that is so focused on being doers of the Word, let us not first overlook that we are to be hearers and that we are to receive the Word of God. What does that mean? Soak it in. Read it. Receive it when it's being taught. Mull over it, meditate upon it, chew it over. You know, we had a youth event a couple of years ago, and um, we went to this this fall uh, place, um, like for a fall festival, one of the local farms. And uh, have you ever seen a cow chew the cud? Oh man, it's fascinating. It's just. Literally, we stood there for 15, 20 minutes just watching this phenomenon take place. It, I mean, I was fascinated by it, but the idea, right, and their anatomy is such that they chew, they chew the cud, right? They chew it to get all of the nutrients out of it. And, and that's similar to, to what we should be doing, that idea of meditation, just chewing on it and allowing... All of it be, to be soaked in. And I just ask you, are you allowing the word of God to soak into your life? You know, I'm not simply asking if you've had a quiet time lately. But in the times that you have interacted with the word, have you allowed it to penetrate your heart? Not just think about it and appreciate it as something for somebody else or something that's nice to, to think about or recognize that it's true. But have you really allowed that to, um, to work in your heart? To soak in. And you know, the word is precious, isn't it? It is a treasure for us. Something that the Lord, he didn't have to leave it for us, but he's given it to us and it's profitable for us. Are we daily treasuring the word like he wants us to? You know, this idea of the implanted word, right? It's an agricultural term. It carries the idea of something that needs to be tended to. Something that needs to be cared for. And are we tending to this in our lives? Are we receiving with meekness, humility, the word of the Lord? Psalm 119, verse 72 says, The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of coins of gold and silver. And, you know, I kind of find that a challenging verse because it's really saying your word, Lord, is better to me than all the riches I could ever amass. It's better to me than anything. And better than the comforts of luxury that gold and silver could afford. And I think I apply that to my life, you know. It's not like I'm rolling in coins of gold and silver. I'm well taken care of here, so, you know, I'm not saying anything further than that, but, um, you know, is it better than sleep to me? Maybe, maybe that hits some of you guys. What about your time on social media? Sports, your schoolwork, your career? Your career? your phone, whatever, your, your pursuit of wealth or influence. And I think sometimes when I run down through that list, I'm like, oh, that kind of hurts. I, I, I don't know that I can honestly say every day I have valued God's word as much as I would thousands of coins of gold and silver or whatever that might be for uh, you in your life or for me in my life. And the simple reality is that many times at the expense of our spiritual well-being, we neglect the needful part of receiving with meekness the word. But the word has been given to us for our benefit. And the word of God is powerful. It's powerful. He goes on to say, it's able to save your souls. He says, receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. It's the message of salvation and of transformation. You know, our faith comes by and is strengthened with the hearing of the word of God. And this verb, to save, according to one writer, it implies not merely the salvation of the soul, but the restoration of life. He says, to save then means to make a person whole, and complete in every respect. And that is what the word of God is able to do for the believer. I'm sure you have experienced that in your life. When you've been reading the word, when you've been studying, or maybe you've been in this room or another studying the word of God and something just comes in like a flood. It's the word of God that pierces your heart and it brings transformation into your life. I know I've experienced times like that. So salvation, yes, but that transformation that comes by hearing the word of the Lord. It's through the word of the Lord, his message of grace to us all, that we learn about him. We learn about the truth of sin, forgiveness, the work of Jesus. This word is power and truth for your life and for my life. 2 Timothy 3.15 says, and this is Paul writing to Timothy, talking about Um, Timothy's childhood, he says, From childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Thank the Lord for the Word, which is able to make us wise unto salvation, which is able to transform us and make us more like Jesus. That's really what we need, isn't it? To be more like Jesus, To to look at Him, and we know so much of Him through the Word to be like him. And this is what scripture says it does. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. We're familiar with these verses. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. See, through the word of God, we are instructed on how to live our lives to honor him, Through the Word of God, we are instructed on how to think correctly, how to approach this fallen world. Through the Word of God, we are corrected when we find ourselves in sin or in error. You know, correction isn't a very pleasant thing when you receive it right in that moment. I'm learning that as I raise up my children. Um, Growing up, I was a really great child, I didn't receive very much correction that's not true. I received a lot of correction. Um, It wasn't pleasant, but you know, I look back, I look back on my life, and I wondered if my parents ever thought, like, will this day ever come? Will he recognize one day? Will he finally get it? Some of your parents are like, yeah, I'm thinking about that about one of my my children. Um, I'm grateful for those times of correction. It wasn't pleasant in that time, but I recognize. And, and you know, it's not, a, it's not really a pleasant experience when we are corrected and confronted with the truth. But I know that we've all experienced times where we look back and we're like, Lord, thank you. Thank you for speaking to me in that moment. Thank you even maybe for that painful experience that led me into all that you have for me. Correction, it's a necessary thing. It's not very fun but it's necessary, and this is what God's word does. And through all of these things, through training for righteousness, the word of God, we're being made complete. We're being made perfect. We're being made into the image of our Lord. And and what an amazing thing. The word of God can do this. It's God-breathed. And, and I think sometimes it, it, there's a temptation that we can just look at it like another book on the shelf. And it's it's not like, you know, consciously we're, saying, you know, putting down the word of God. It's just by the way that we, we live sometimes, it's like, do we really recognize what we have in our laps? So... Through, through the word of God, we're being made complete and, and we're being equipped for every good work that the Lord has for us, right? And we know full well, the Lord has good works for us to walk in. And in order for us to walk in those good works, we need to be clean vessels, ready for use, and his word purifies us. And, and we need to be equipped with the tools in order to go out and, and minister effectively. And of course, that happens through the power of the spirit. But we also must be, <clears throat> excuse me, trained up in the word of the lord and and as we study and receive the word of god he equips us he completes us he trains us he corrects us and fashions us into the image of jesus i just want to read a few verses Many of these we're familiar with, but just listen to how the word of God works in our hearts and minds as we receive it. Hebrews 4:12. The word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It's like a surgeon's scalpel. It cuts to the deepest part of who we are. It shows us the deepest parts of of us that need to be changed and made more like the Lord. It's real sharp, two-edged. It's precise. It cuts deep in our hearts and it discerns our thoughts and intents. Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. You want to live a pure life before the Lord? You want to live a life that is honoring to him? Keep your way according to the word of the Lord. Follow after it, follow after it. Psalm 119, verse 150, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. He shows us the way we should go. The word gives us direction and, and discernment. It, it gives us a path to follow in life. And, and praise the Lord, we don't have to guess how the Lord wants, to, wants us to live. We don't have to guess how he wants us to think we have it here before us, and sure there's times in our life where we're facing particular decisions where it you know it doesn't show us you know James chapter three verse four says, "Turn left on the main street at this day in a particular time, and I'm going to have you witness to somebody you know we need specific direction for that, but as a general uh uh theme for our life, he shows us how we should walk, where we should go, the path that we should follow. And the beautiful thing about the word of the Lord is that it's never going to pass. It's going to stand forever. Isaiah 40, verse 8, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. It is a sure foundation for us. It's not going to change from one moment to the next. The Lord doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And so we have that sure foundation for us. Have you ever been just thrown off by somebody who, you know, something that's changed in, in writing that you've agreed to? You know, you, you've written something and you've agreed to it and then all of a sudden the terms change and you're like, what in the world is this? No, we agreed to this. The Lord doesn't, he doesn't change anything. He has declared from of old his will and his purpose and his desire for us and it's not gonna change and it's gonna stand forever. And you know, I love John 17, 17. This is God, the, the Lord's prayer for, for even us. He says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. We can be sanctified by the word of the Lord. It's not just a book to read. It actually works in our hearts and our lives. And you know, the Lord's expectation is that we will not only receive the word with humility, but recognize that his word is authoritative in our life. He has the authority to tell us what to do and 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 we have the burden on our lives to follow him to be obedient children we are to be uh, to the to the lord those faithful servants as he is our master he's called us to live a certain way it's not an option The world can say, well, you can follow your dreams, follow your pursuits, be true to who you are. But if that being true to who you are and that following your pursuits and that pursuing your dreams, if that is contrary to God's word, then our will and our hope, it's got to submit. His word is authoritative. So a part of this receiving the word isn't just appreciating and recognizing what the word does in us, but it's actually submitting ourselves humbly underneath the authority of the Lord, and he speaks so clearly through his word. We recognize that that his word is authoritative, and we live with such conviction that that is true as doers of the word of God. I love what the Lord says in Luke Luke 11 verse 28. He says, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. So let's go on into the next few verses, verses 22 down through 25, where we are called to not just be hearers of the word, but doers as well. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man, excuse me, he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. So James says we we must hear God's word, we must receive it and not only hear it but we've also gotta be doers of the word and anything else James says is deception. To hear God's word and to do nothing with it is deception. And the challenging thing about deception is the one who is deceived does not know that they're deceived, right? You, you know, it, it's I, I've never seen someone who's deceived that says, ah, I'm deceived, I know, right? <laughs> I've, I've never experienced that before. And, and usually it's, it's the word of God that comes in and reveals that they have been deceived. It's the word of God that comes in and shows that they have been fooled or misled. Deceive means to mislead the mind or to cause to believe what is false or to disbelieve what is true or to cheat or to rob. And isn't it true, we deceive ourselves in thinking that by hearing the word only and not also by walking in it, that we're living the life that God wants us to live. You know, you can hear the word and believe it wholeheartedly. Give a hearty amen it really encourages us to do thus and so. It, it does command us against certain things or to do certain things. Yet the true test of authenticity of our walk is how we respond to the word when it comes and it in instructs and then in it confronts us. The Lord says we're fooling ourselves if we don't walk according to his word. See, when God commands, he expects obedience of his children, doesn't he? When God says to love one another as Jesus loved us, we say, yes, Lord, and we do as he says. When God says to watch what comes out of your mouth and speak only those edifying words to one another, we say, yes, Lord, and don't justify how we've been speaking with or about others. When the Lord says to seek him with all of our hearts, we say, yes, Lord, and we seek him out gladly. And when the Lord says, not to lie to one another or to him, we say, yes, Lord. And we walk in truthfulness in every area of our life. When the Lord says to seek the kingdom of God first, we say, yes, Lord, and leave the treasures of the world behind in pursuit of him first. When the Lord says to have nothing to do with sexual immorality, we say, yes, Lord, And we do whatever it takes to forsake the sexual sin that can so easily entangle us and live a pure life. It's what he said. When the Lord says to confess our sin, no matter how dark it might be, when he calls us to confess, maybe to him, to a brother or sister as well, so that we can walk in freedom, we say, yes, Lord. And we confess and we walk in the freedom and receive his forgiveness. When he says to surrender that unhealthy job or hobby or relationship so that you can pursue holiness and the call of God in your life, we say, yes, Lord. And we cut ties in obedience. When the Lord says to forgive that person for the harm and the pain that they caused, we say, yes, Lord. And we forgive that person as we have been forgiven by our Father we walk in obedience and you know it's hard when it meets us right here isn't it sometimes it's it's a real daily thing to walk in obedience to the lord but you know what there is such fruit and peace that comes when we surrender ourselves to the will of the lord and we just say yes lord yes i want what you want you know for those of you who are parents and even growing up those of you in your own homes You've recognized when your parents have said something or done something to you and you're like, you don't understand it right now, but you'll see it's gonna benefit you. And, and so many times we find ourselves in situations like that with the Lord where we don't quite understand it all, but we've just gotta be faithful to do what he calls us to do and to be obedient to the word, especially in those hard areas especially in those hard areas. And and the thing is, is that we deceive ourselves if we come to his word and receive instruction and correction and we don't seek to live it out. We are deceived. We are deceived if that's the case. Um, one of my favorite writers, Spurgeon, many of you probably have guessed, he says this, and it just, it just hits home to me. He says, I fear we have many such in all congregations, admiring hearers, affectionate hearers, attached hearers, but all the while unblessed hearers because they are not doers of the word. And I think it's so interesting because in verse 25 it says, those who are hear- or, or uh, doers, right, who continue in the perfect law of liberty and is not a forgetful hearer, this one will be blessed in what he does. There's such blessing that comes when we walk in obedience to the Lord. And James kind of illustrates for us what being a hearer only of the word looks like. It's like if somebody looks into a mirror only to shir- shortly turn around and not recall what was seen or what he looks like. You know, looking and just completely forgetting. Forgetting. And, and, and the word is like that spiritual mirror that reveals who we actually are at our core. And, and we can come to the word and we can say, well, what do I look like today? Be careful to look too hard, okay? Right? Because you might be afraid. All right? Uh, wh- what do I look like today? Right? What do I look like? And, and when we come and we see that blemish... Or, or we see that thing that needs to be taken care of, the bedhead spiritually, right? Whatever it is, um, it's going to reveal what we actually look like. And we need to be willing to allow the Lord to deal with that, right? To, to change us. Um, but, but see, if we come to the Word and we don't do it, it's like coming to the mirror and walking away and just completely forgetting it's like looking at who you really are through the mirror of God's word and proceeding to do nothing in order to subject yourself to the sanctifying, cleansing, empowering work of the Holy Spirit in your life through the truth of God's word. You know, something that I heard a lot when I grew up, um, and, and maybe you've heard the same thing. Um, this idea that God's, God's commandments are hard to follow. It's just so restrictive. I would hear that, you know, from, from some of my unsaved friends growing up through school, right? It's so restrictive. You know, you just can't live your life and be who you want to be. And I mean, I think there's some elements to that are true. I can't live my life and just be whoever I want to be, necessarily. But you know, I, I have found so much freedom, and I know you have too, in walking in obedience to God's commands the commands of God are freedom for us. When we came to the Lord in faith and asked him to save us and he brought us into this relationship, he gave us his holy spirit. He's given us his power to walk in the life that we should live and he's given us instruction through his word. And it's really when we find the truth of God, we know what he wants us to do and we start committing ourselves and walking along that we really find freedom. We really find what it means to be free in life. 1 John 5, 3 says, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. His commandments are not burdensome. It gives us freedom. It gives us freedom. You know, I, I, I love this idea because it's not hard to follow the Lord. It's harder to not follow the Lord. It really is. Now, It's hard in the sense that you don't have the comfort of the Lord when you're going through tough times. You don't have the strength that he he supplies. But it's certainly not harder in terms of living a fulfilling life. Living the life that God has given you and the purpose that he's given you to fulfill in his will. It's not a hard life to live. Are there challenging decisions? Yeah. Are there tough decisions that we have to make? Absolutely. But, But the Lord gives us strength to make them all and his commandments are not burdensome his commandments are not burdensome and i love how james describes the word in verse 25 he says it is the perfect law of liberty this idea of the law the will in the commands of god that 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 system that order by which he wants us to walk the things that he wants us to do and you know we're we're under the law of grace in jesus but he's still given us commands to walk through to live out, and this is the the commands of the Lord. It's a perfect law. It's perfect in every way. It brings perfection in us, not not the sense that we arrive at a place where we don't sin anymore, but that perfection of the the wholeness and the completeness of the work of the Lord in us. And, And it's the law of liberty. It's the law of liberty. You know, people who are kept in bondage when they taste freedom again, they, they recognize when they have tasted freedom because they have known what bondage is. And I lived a time in my life where I was a hearer of the word. I was in church every week. I served every week. I, w- I, I would say yes and amen to every sermon that was preached. But I wasn't a doer of the word. And you know that I was deceiving myself And I was living a life that was burdensome. And I was living a life that was full of bondage to sin. And I tasted the freedom of God when he changed my heart and gave me a desire to follow him and in his commandments. He gave me a desire to honor him and to pursue him. And when I just took those steps of obedience, it's then when I really tasted freedom and that perfect law of liberty. That is the word of God for us, isn't it? The perfect law of liberty. There's such freedom. There's no, there's not, it's not burdensome to follow the Lord. There's freedom. But the key here is this. He who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. He who looks at the law of liberty and continues in it. The the idea of the one who looks, that word carries the idea of an intent, a a pursuit, a determination to continue. The meditation as we talked about earlier. A continuous effort, right? It's not just a, a once and done. It's a continual thing. Looking into it contemplating and devouring the word of God to see what it has to say. And when the truth confronts us, the one who continues in this endeavor will be blessed. The one who continues in faithful obedience and seeking and hearing and obeying and then receiving and seeking and hearing and obeying, there's such a blessedness that comes when we continue in the perfect Law of Liberty. Let me read to you this quote. It says, God's law is permanent and unchangeable. It applies to everyone at any time and in any situation. It is perfect. Why is the law perfect? Because God's perfect law gives freedom, and it alone sets man really free. That is, the law of God through Jesus Christ sets man free from the bondage of sin and selfishness says Jesus, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Within the boundaries of the law of God, man is free. For there he lives in the environment God designated for him. When he crosses the boundary, he becomes a slave to sin. As long as he keeps the law, he is free. And I thank the Lord for the conviction of the Spirit that comes. So often, isn't it true when we find ourselves crossing that that line outside of that law of liberty that the Holy Spirit brings to mind the word, scripture, of what the Lord wants us to do? He's so good to bring us back, isn't he? Many seek freedom to live however they desire, but they don't know that they're living in bondage to sin. They look at the commands of God as burdensome, and maybe you're in that place tonight. Uh, maybe you're a believer, or maybe you have, you've had nothing to do with the Lord or church or anything like that, but for the first time tonight, you're hearing that there's freedom in obeying the Lord, and that his commands aren't burdensome. Call upon him. Ask him to change you and save you. The commands of God are not burdensome, but real freedom comes in Christ where we, by the Spirit, we, by the Spirit, are able to say no to sinful desires and pursue the will of God. That really is an amazing victory that we have in Jesus. We are able to, by the Holy Spirit resident within us, say no to sinful desires that we were held captive to. We can now, by God's power, say no. No. I'm going to obey the Lord. I'm going to honor him with this decision. I'm going to follow him and do what he has called me to do. And when we do this, when we obey the Lord, blessing comes and certain fruits will appear in our life. And James goes on, he, he goes on and talks about favoritism. He goes on and talks about if if you're really following the Lord and obeying Him, there's going to be certain things that come from your life. You're going to have pure speech. You're going to be walking in heavenly wisdom and not demonic wisdom. You're going to walk in humility toward one another and not pride. You're not going to judge another person based on his circumstances. You're going to welcome them in. You're not going to boast about tomorrow. You're going to trust the Lord for everything. You're not going to trust in your own self. You're going to call upon the Lord to meet you in your area of need. He talks about this in James chapter 5. He talks about being patient through trials. There are certain things and, and, and blessings and benefits that come to our life when we, we just obey the Lord and we're faithful to do what he calls us in every season of life. There's never a time in my life where I've said, man, I am really disappointed I obeyed you, Lord. Never. Never. There's been a lot of times where I've had the thought, I wish I would have obeyed you. I wish I would have followed you and done what you told me to do. So, walking in this perfect law of liberty, it brings blessing into our life, and it's going to yield certain fruits. And, And verses 26 through 28, it kind of seems a little disjointed, but it's really not. When you think about this in context... If we are hearing the word, if we are doing the word, then our heart is going to be in line with the Lord and we are, we are going to walk well toward others. We're going we're to do those things that the Lord wants us to practically as an outworking of our faith in that inward change that has taken place. And so we see what pure religion is in God's eyes in verses 26, 27, and 28. Or, excuse me, just 26 and 27. says, if any among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. That's some pretty strong words, isn't it? Useless? Wow. Man, that is some strong language there. But you see the, the line of thought. Is that if we are hearing and we are obeying then certain fruit will come, and on the contrary, if someone is claiming to really walk well with the Lord, and walking well in pure religion, and their life doesn't show anything for it, they are deceived, right? If somebody thinks he's religious and doesn't watch what he's saying, he's deceiving his own heart, and his religion is worthless, right? It's useless, But he goes on to say, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. This is what pure and undefiled religion is, and many a times when we hear this verse quoted, we only give that first part, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble. And that doesn't mean it's there's another part to this, and it doesn't diminish that aspect of it. We need to be caring for those who can't care for themselves. We need to be watching out, and that's going to be a natural outworking of the work of God in our life as we're submitting ourselves to him, as we're wanting to know what his will is. We see Jesus coming, and what was the main crowd that he was ministering to? Sinners and poor people and sick people, right? I mean, this was who he was ministering to. Now, he ministered to the, the, the religious leaders. He ministered to all people. He had some really hard things to say for them. But, but he, he came and he ministered in these practical ways of doing his will, his word, and we should do the same, being obedient to the Lord. I think of that first example, controlling what you say bridling the tongue. You know, the bridle is, is the instrument by which you, you control a horse, right? The bit and the bridle. You, you steer the horse, right? Um, I'm not the best horse steerer. I've had the chance of riding horses, and they don't listen to me. But it's probably because I'm not the best, uh, best person with a bridle. Um, I'm, I'm told that comes with time. But, you know, it's the idea of control and steering it, you know, and, and, and we also, James says here, we've got to be able to control our mouth. And you think about all the verses that come, come to mind, you know, um, the heart being the, the wellspring and, and, and out of the mouth, right? Um, the, the things that, that come, right? It's indicative of what's going on in our hearts, and I don't have any particular verses coming to mind. Just read through Proverbs and you'll find a ton that talk about speech and how it's really indicative of what's going on in our hearts. And so the idea is that if we're claiming to be religious and obedient to the Lord and and we can't control our mouth, then there's problems that are going on. There's deception that's taking place. But I think it's just an important point to stop here And just consider that practical thing of controlling what we say to ourselves, to other people, um, watching how we say it, really bridling our tongue. He goes on in chapter 3 and he says, uh, the tongue is just evil. I mean, it just, wildfires are set ablaze by it. It just, it can steer the ship. It's just incredible, the damage. And, And I know many of you have experienced this in your own life. Whether it's something that you've said Or somebody has said to you, and you can see the destruction that comes. Very simply, let's let's walk in the spirit of the Lord with each other. Walk in the instruction that we receive, right? If there's a a pattern of speech in your life that is unwholesome, corrupt, or, or maybe not even inherently sinful, but not profitable, ask the Lord to change your heart. And give you that ability by the Spirit to bridle your tongue. You know, another thing that I heard growing up is, you know, it doesn't really matter how you talk, right? You know, and, you know, speech isn't all that important. But it really is. It really is indicative of our heart and our position before the Lord. Because the person who does not bridle his tongue, who does not heed that which is heard in Scripture, this one's religion, James says, is useless. I think that's, that's something really to chew on. So, you know, we should we should not imitate the ways of the world around us. We should have pure speech in that verse in Ephesians. I think I have that written down. Did I not say it? Yeah, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. It says, No, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification? I think Troy mentioned this verse a couple of weeks ago. If you just let that be your filter, I... Your speech is going to be seasoned and with grace and the love of the Lord, right? So we do this. We don't let corrupt speech come from our mouth. We only speak what is good for necessary edification with the purpose or the result that it imparts grace to the hearers. And really, that's, that's what we need to be doing. It doesn't mean that we don't speak the hard things in, in love. We do that. That's speaking truth. That is speaking what is necessary for edification. Maybe there's an area of your life where you're like, I haven't been bridling that. Maybe it's speech and maybe it's something else. Maybe you've closed your heart off to the Lord or you've become dull in a a particular area of sensitivity to the Lord. Where that conviction would come as you read the word or you're in a Bible study and it just doesn't hit you anymore. And that callous has begun to develop in your heart. Allow the Lord to, to rip that callous off And have that sensitivity again. Bridle your tongue. There's a lot of destruction that can come when we don't. And and so part of this is is caring for those, as we mentioned, who are in trouble, visiting orphans, caring for for them, caring for the widows who are in their trouble, making sure that we are being Jesus, the hands and feet of the Lord to them. And I, I love this last verse because it really sums this whole section up. It says, keep to keep oneself unspotted from the world. So we then, in our pursuit of the Lord and walking in the perfect law of liberty, we, we should care for those who are in need. We should watch what we say. These aren't the only things, but we should live a life of purity, seeking what the Lord wants, not pursuing the things of the world, but the things that are above. One of my favorite verses, a few verses that talk about this just a few pages over in 1 John chapter 2. It says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of this world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Is there an area of your life where it's looking worldly? Then hear the word of the Lord. Come out and be separate. Be cleansed, be holy, for I am holy, says the Lord. Don't be like the world. Don't conform to the patterns of the world. We we are a new man. We've been created anew in Jesus. And we've been called to obey the Lord by being hearers and doers of the word. Be obedient to the Lord. Walk in His ways. Seek after Him. In the worship team, you can come forward as we close here. But I I just wanted to take a moment here with the Lord and just reflect. In your times of meeting with the Lord and turning to His words, it could be Bible study, it could be teachings at church, or uh, times where you're just meditating and, and mulling over the things of the Lord, are you receiving with meekness the word of God, recognizing that the Lord has the authority. The Word has the authority to tell me what to do. Are you receiving that with humility? Are you receiving that instruction from the Lord? Not merely appreciating the truths, but receiving them as applicable to you and to your situation and to your life. Recognize the authority that the Lord has. Maybe you need to submit afresh to him tonight in this. This asshole, Lord, Lord, would you would you do this work in me? I, I, I submit myself again to you and to your word. And when you receive the word, do you then seek to live it out? And obey the word of God? Or or are you that deceived hearer that comes to the mirror and says, yeah, that's really nice. And walk away and not be changed. Because that is deception. Let's just take a moment here before the Lord in prayer. Ask the Lord to search your heart. If there's any way within you that is not pleasing to him, confess that to him. Ask him for strength to submit to his will. Ask him to to change your perspective to see and to realize that his commandments are not burdensome. But there is that perfect law of liberty that when we follow it, there's such freedom and joy that comes when obeying him. Submit to his authority. Ask him for strength to walk as you ought. And and maybe, maybe you have never submitted yourself to the Lord. You're not a believer. He loves you. He wants you to follow after him. And you can be saved and changed and transformed by believing in Jesus. By trusting that he died for you. That he's risen from the grave. If you believe and call upon his name, the word says you will be saved. Experience that transformation today. Let's take a moment before the Lord.